Well, good morning. I, I would say welcome the Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church, but I know I'm the one who has not been here since, since May 19th. So uh, thank you all for the warm welcome I've, I've received in the hallways and, and just in the pews in the last few minutes. Uh, it is uh, really a joy to be back on this Labor Day weekend Sunday and um, just really had a, a remarkable and restorative uh, sabbatical. God, God was really abundantly faithful in a host of ways I'm excited to, to share about with you all. Um, and if you're wondering about specifically, oh, gosh, I'd love to hear more about the sabbatical and things God did and, and learnings and all the rest, I'll just go ahead and, and tell you. It's in the bulletin, but September 15th and September 22nd, Sunday and Sunday during the Sunday school hour, 9.30 to 10.30 in the Fellowship Hall. There'll be a combined Sunday school opportunity uh, where I'll be leading that. And I'll just, I'll be sharing photos and stories and testimonies from the sabbatical. And, and would love to have you there. Um, a humongous thanks um, to you all who, who rallied in so many different ways to uh, make the sabbatical possible, who covered down on all kinds of different ministry items. Uh, certainly our officers, our elders and deacons did a remarkable job uh, on that front in, in a unique way. Uh, the hammocks with the visitation that they did throughout the summer. And then uh, the staff with um, Chris and Nelson and, and Esther and Randy and Maurice and Levi. I mean, the, the, the crew just really rallied in, in remarkable ways. I'll say more about that later. But, but many thanks to, to the folks that... that um, did a wonderful job this summer, and it's a joy to, to return and to see um, your, your joyful faces and, and encounter you. Look forward to catching up more after the service and, and beyond. Uh, let me just mention before um, we uh, stand and, and greet one another, next Sunday we kick off our Discipleship Sunday. So 9.30 a.m., Fellowship Hall, bring a potluck breakfasty side to share with everybody else, and we'll kick into a little, a little bit of a preview of what's coming for Sunday school and some things on the mission front and a couple things stewardship. So come for that and then stay for worship. And again, that's at 9.30s, the Sunday school, because next week we start back with our 10.55 worship. So the summer schedule, the 10 a.m. schedule ends today. Uh, before we fully enter into this space with the prelude, would you just stand and greet a couple folks around you? I invite you to begin finding your seats again, to, and together let us prepare our hearts and minds uh, to worship the living God. Welcome to the live broadcast.
God calls us to worship on this, the day the Lord is made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And I invite you to stand with me as we call ourselves to worship with our bulletin. From the waters of creation, the earth sprang forth. From the waters of a river, people were baptized and marked as God's children. Praise be to God, whose loving gifts and presence have called us together. Let us declare our love to God for God's abundant love. Sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church at 1627 Monument Avenue in Richmond, Virginia. Today's date is September 1st, 2019. This is the 96th year of radio ministry of Grace Covenant. And today's broadcast number is 4,957. The Reverend Dr. Robert Coleman Lippert is our pastor. This morning's sermon, entitled The Embrace of God, will be delivered by Bobby Holm Lippert who has just returned from sabbatical. Assisting in the services today are Carson Ryan and Chris Martin. But yet, if we're willing to admit our sin before God, God is more than willing to accept us, forgive us, and give us new life. So claim that promise as we confess with one another with using our prayer of confession this morning. Let us pray. Gracious and faithful Jesus, in baptism you have cleansed us and claimed us, forgiven us and empowered us. Yet so often we forget our baptism we muddy ourselves, consumed by our fears and anxieties. We hide and compromise in our longing to belong. We drown, unsure of how to forgive or be forgiven. We grow weary, trusting our own strength. Holy Spirit, pour over us afresh that the truth of our baptism might be impressed upon our souls once more this day. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The good news of the gospel is that in Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven. 
as far as the east is from the west, God loves us so much that he accepts us, forgives us, and in that forgiveness gives us new life. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. You are forgiven. Amen. seated and we have children's chapel with one of our elders brian baird and if you uh, are one of our young ones um, in our midst today and would like to join him right here at the front door and head out for chapel you may do that and parents you can pick up the child in room 101 afterwards pray. Gracious God, we call upon your spirit to fall afresh on us, to mold us and to shape us, to direct us and to gift us. So allow these words that come from Holy Scripture so to touch our hearts and lives that our life is different. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Old Testament lesson is from Isaiah 42. I invite you to take the Pew Bible out and turn with me to that passage of God's Word. Because in that particular passage, it seems like the Israeli people <clears throat> thought they could take care of business themselves and look to themselves for their own direction and for their own salvation. And yet the passage from Isaiah talks about something new, talks about someone new, talks about a servant that they can look to and find real meaning and real life. Listen now for God's word, Isaiah 42, verses 1 through 4. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching the islands will put their hope. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
as I mentioned in the announcements, what, uh, what a gift to be back with all of you. What a gift that you uh, would provide that space to have a sabbatical this summer. Uh, it has been a, a joy, something I very much look forward to sharing about in the Sunday school hours on September 15th and 22nd. And again, thank you, uh, congregants. Thank uh, especially our elders and deacons, our officers who really stepped forward as servant leaders in uh, these recent 14 weeks. Um, a hearty thanks to our staff, who, as you all know, did a remarkable job. Uh, I know Chris is, is here and, and Nelson, and, and they uh, were remarkable. Esther, I know, was, was a gift to you all, as so many of you have reflected back to me in just this past week. And, and Esther told me to, to check when I got up here. She said, now, Bobby, I would say uh, on a few occasions, you can fire me because I'm just here for a little bit, but, but I think we should all move forward. In the pews, and and and, she's like, and, and and everyone would move forward, and it was lovely. And I think, you know, just see if they seem for you're forward. And uh, and anyway, I, I'm I'm grateful for her leadership and shepherding uh, this summer. Thank you too. I meant to mention announcements. Carson Ryan's here leading us in worship, and if you if you notice in the bulletin, he's actually going to lead a three week class on how to lead in worship as a lay leader and, and reading and, and doing different parts uh, from the lectern. And if that's of interest to you, I'd love to, you know, I think you're thinking, I'd love to learn from Carson about how to, to lead well in worship. Well, his class will be three weeks starting September 29th. I don't know if we were able to print that date yet in the bulletin. Um, but if you're interested, talk to me, talk to Carson. I think we've got two or three or four of you already saying, yeah, I'll be there. But let us know. We'd love for you to be a part of that. We're jumping into the Gospel of Matthew. As I'll explain in more detail next week on Discipleship Sunday, uh, we're actually going to be in Matthew a good bit this fall and even into the new year, as really we just take some time to walk alongside Jesus in this rich Gospel. And we're going to start in Matthew chapter 3. Uh, we're, going to, we're not going to get to the, the first and second chapter about Jesus being born and all that until we, we hit Advent and Christmas. We'll get there then. We're going to start with Jesus' adult life, and that begins in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This past week, we here at Grace Covenant, we hosted the GC Arts Camp for a group of children ages ranging 5 to 11. And again, another round of just huge thank yous. Nelson and Jess Reevely really led uh, the coordination on that, bringing together a host of, of just wonderful uh, teachers and volunteers. And uh, if you did not get to read about all the details, who was involved, what all unfolded, check out the grace notes that's published today for a little write-up about that as well as accompanying pictures. I had a small part in this camp. I was the official storyteller for the camp each day. And on day two, I told the story of the prodigal son. You remember that story where the younger son uh, asks his father for his inheritance and then he goes to a faraway country, country and he squanders all the inheritance money on, on wild living? 
Eventually, a famine hits the land as the son then runs out of all of his money and he's starving. He's ashamed. He decides he'll go home and apologize. Maybe my father will, will let me return as a servant and then, then at least I could eat. And I decided to have the children act this part of the story out. I told the kids to, that they needed to pair up and then have uh, their pairs line up across from one another in the fellowship hall. And to this side, this line of kids, I said, you all are the younger son in the story. I want you to turn your bodies around this way, away from your partner across from you, and hang your head low like this. And in a little bit on my cue, you're going to start to turn toward your partner. Now I went to this side, the partner across from him, and I said, you all are the father in this story. When that younger son across from you, your partner starts to turn around, I want you to run and hug the younger son who's directly across from you. Now, my original plan was to say, now, now you fathers here, look, I know you may not know the partner across from you. You may have met for the first time yesterday at camp. And so you can kind of run, walk, and side hug, or arm pat, or, you, you know. But I never actually said these words, because once I told all of those fathers their job was to give a big hug, their eyes lit up. I honestly could not have come up with a more exciting assignment. I walked back to the younger sons. Okay, y'all have made some bad decisions. You spent the family's money. You feel ashamed. You feel bad. But you're going to try to turn home. Go ahead. So with their heads hung low, they start to turn. And with no cue at all, the fathers just whoosh across the fellowship hall and they absolutely squeezed the smithereens out of those younger sons. And there was squealing and there was laughter. There was one pairing of pretty good friends where there was kind of more of a tackle. Um, Everyone was fine. I kind of wanted eventually, though, to get going with the story and that actually proved difficult because they seemed so happily content just swaying in this embrace. And it made me wonder, what is it about a genuine human embrace that is so powerful, so life-giving? What, what is it, uh, why do these kids readily light up with excitement about the idea of a huge, generous hug? And as I knew I would be preaching on this passage this morning, I thought, and isn't it something that Jesus' very first words in the entire Gospel of Matthew, the very first words he speaks, insist upon his baptism, insists upon that gift of divine embrace of grace be made known to him. Scholars will tell you the Gospel of Matthew is written in the form of an ancient biography with Jesus as the protagonist. And in this genre of ancient biography, the first words that a protagonist speaks are critical. They're tone-setting. They name the priority. They name the focus. They name something absolutely central. And so you recall this scene begins with John the Baptist trying to tell Jesus, "Uh, you have it backwards. I think you should baptize me, Jesus. And then Jesus speaks his first critical tone-setting words in the Gospel of Matthew. Let it be so now. Let it, the baptism, be so, happen now. 
Before Jesus ever calls disciples, before Jesus delivers the famous Sermon on the Mount, before there are any healings or miracles or confronting the hypocrites or feeding the hungry, Jesus is insistent, first, that he know the gift of God's abundant favor and love. He insists upon the gift of baptism and that embrace as of first importance. Why? Fortunately, Jesus doesn't leave us hanging. He actually goes right on to explain, it is proper for us to do this in order to fulfill all righteousness. That's maybe a confusing statement, but I think it helps to know that in the Gospel of Matthew, the word righteousness refers to the will of God. So the sense of Jesus' statement is, let this baptism happen to me so that I can fulfill the will of God, so that I can do the will of God. Let this baptism happen to me so that I am empowered to live the way God desires. And as we walk through Matthew in the coming weeks together, Jesus will make it clear in his teachings what is meant by the will of God. The will of God, it includes things like let your yes be yes and your no be no. Give to the needy. Forgive 70 times 7. Do not worry. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Some hard things, some courageous things, things, quite frankly, we know we need more of in this world and we ache to see more frequently in our lives. These are will of God things. And Jesus says, in order for him to do the will of God, he doesn't need an extra measure of willpower or an extra measure of resolve or an extra class on how to get it just right. Of all the things in the world, he claims that what he needs in order to do the will of God is the gift of baptism. And when Jesus is baptized in our story, it's abundant. You heard the heavens open as a de declaration of wide, generous favor. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove, the very power of God resting and filling Jesus. And then God speaks that wonderful word of favor. This is my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The heavens, a dove, a voice, it's this threefold showering of favoring, of power, of grace. It's not unlike a running hug. And it's the central priority as Jesus steps to do the will of God on earth as it is in heaven. Is grace our priority? As the body of Jesus Christ called to do the will of God on earth as it is in heaven, are we a people who are foremost sustained and filled and empowered by the running hug of grace? I mean, we may, we may very well have been baptized, but does the truth of our baptism fuel us? About a month ago, Michelle, Leo, and I were in Mexico, part of the sabbatical, and, and Michelle gets a phone call. We had recently set up a profile on an adoption website letting the world know we're open to adopt a second child. And lo and behold, a young woman calls from Georgia. She's read our profile, would be interested in having us adopt her baby girl to be born in just a few days. As Michelle talks for 30 or so minutes with her on the phone, memories of Leo's adoption start to flood us. That couple reached out to us only a week or so before he was born. And, and, and the life circumstances between the two were not so different. We began scrambling on our computers, looking at our flights from Mexico to Atlanta, thinking about the possibility of returning from a sabbatical, not refreshed and renewed, exhausted, sleepless, with a second child. 
Amidst all kinds of coordinating with our adoption agency, one in Georgia actually, we took a moment to Google the first name of the woman, that's all we had, and her phone number we'd been using. And right away we discovered an adoption forum full of hopeful parents talking about the same woman, the same name, the same story they'd been given. It turns out she's a scammer. She's a serial scammer. Now we were duped for about a day. Other couples went on for weeks and even months believing this woman would be giving her child an adoption to them. And the thing that made no sense at all to me was that she never asked for money. She never asked for money from any of the families. Then what is this kind of cruelty all about? It was what the adoption agency personnel call emotional scamming. Outright lies, deception, manipulation to get attention. And she has it. Goodness, the BBC caught wind of her story, published an article just last week entitled The Fake Baby Instagram Adoption Scam. And I was struck by one of the lines from an adoption agency executive they interviewed. The executive has worked at her agency for four decades. And she said, look, long before the arrival of the internet, women pretending to be pregnant and going to place their baby for adoption, would call for hour-long talking-with-your-best-friend conversations, and it never, ever had to do with money. Never. There are so many lonely people out in this world today that just want some attention. There are so many lonely people So many people who ache for the genuine embrace that might open them, heal them, and transform them. And not having that embrace fuels the opposite of God's will. Deceiving, manipulating, hurting. Ironically, in an attempt to secure something of an embrace. And it makes me wonder how many of the great pains of our society are not born of people who have no sense that they are beloved regardless of what they have or have not done. How much violence and hate and slander and pain is born of people for whom the embrace of love is so distant or removed or avoided or non-existent? How many addictions are fueled by a profound sense of self-loathing or sense of unworthiness and since an embrace is not believable or apparent, you just got to numb it? When we see the opposite of God's will unfolding, we can be sure that there is a vacuum of grace. A space where grace is not the fueling priority. We ourselves, we may not be emotional scammers, but I wonder how often we lie or deceive or hide or manipulate or posture or gossip or complain Because there's a vacuum of grace. And ironically, we're trying all these anti-will-of-God ways to secure it. Is grace our priority? And if we sense that, that gift to be distant or muted or lacking, how might the church of Jesus Christ know afresh the full gift of that running hug that empowers us to step into the will of God? Day three at the GC Arts Camp, I'm the storyteller again. And about halfway through the story time, I ask a somewhat offhanded question that uh, really just to keep things moving, make sure everyone's paying attention. I said, I I mean, have you ever known someone 
uh, maybe at your school or your neighborhood, um, who's not always liked. Maybe they're a little different, or maybe they were a little mean, or maybe they don't fit in well. I was kind of just looking for head nods and hands so I could keep making my point. Instead, I got a couple urgent hands wanting to be called on right now. I know someone who was mean. And she starts to share about a specific classmate in a specific instance, and when this classmate did not share a very specific thing that she remembers quite well. And you can see the hurt on her face because children haven't learned yet how to hide. The next one shared about a friend who'd called this friend a really mean name, and he remembers the name and the time. More hands start to shoot up. I was standing at this point because my story I was telling involved a lot of motion. But it was at this point also that I realized I needed to sit. I needed to lean in and listen to whatever was unfolding. One after another, they just wanted a chance to share about a hurt, a pain, a meanness they know, known, just wearing their souls on the sleeve. And I realized that though they would not have put it this way, what they were looking for in that moment was another hug. This time from me. And as they shared, each story implicitly asked, Will you listen to our stories in a way that offers an embrace of love amidst this pain? Will grace run to us and hold us in this too? Will you hold a space of grace that ministers like the heavens opening unto Jesus? Or will this pain I offer find no grace and so become a festering wound or a hardened callus? How humbly and genuinely they offered their hearts. Theologian Dale Bruner says about Jesus' baptism, I consider this Jesus' first miracle. It's the miracle of humility. Jesus humbles himself to the reality of humanity, joins us in water submersion, and in humility knows the embrace of grace. And it is that truth that I think the children themselves intuited, that humility is often the primary conduit of a fresh expression of grace. Unless you become like one of these children, you cannot enter the kingdom of God, Jesus says later in Matthew. Which is to say, unless you become like one of these children, you cannot know grace, because grace is the water and the air of the kingdom of God. How is God calling us this day to become children again? unto a fresh expression of grace. Do we risk wear your soul on your sleeve vulnerability about our failings and our hurts, about our dreams and our misgivings with God, with one another? Do we risk letting go of the masks, the pretense, the right to gossip and slander, our certain plans, our need to look like we have it all together? Do we risk an open humbleness before God and one another? And if another offers you their heart this day or this week, if another opens in vulnerability or pain or a raw honesty, do we risk dropping our judgments and corrections and told you so's and hold a heaven-wide space to honor the eight? Tell me about the church who freely admits they're uncertain, 
and fearful and pained and searching and don't have all the good answers about what it means to be faithful in these trying times. Tell me about the church that feels like they are children in a profound need of love and power and direction that is born not of their own power. And I will tell you about a church who is turning around and about to discover the prodigal God hugging them to smithereens, bathing them in the truth. This is my people, my beloved, and whom I am well pleased. Go and love as you have been loved. Amen. In response to God's word, we're going to sing a hymn, Spirit of the Living God. It's quite short, so we're going to sing it twice. And it's purposely placed following this sermon because it's really a prayer that grace might fall afresh upon us as individuals and us as a church. May it be our prayer. Let us stand together. You are listening to the live broadcast of a worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. You have just heard this morning's sermon entitled, The Embrace of God, which was delivered by Bobby Holm Lippert. The congregation will now join in singing, Spirit of the Living God, which is number 322 in the Blue Hymnal. One body saved by grace, held in grace. Let us confess what it is that we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven 
and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. In response to God's gracious word and the life we have in Christ, we offer ourselves. We are empowered to do the will of God. And part of that will is to, is to, is to learn and grow in our generosity and our way of offering ourselves, our finances. And so as the offering plates come around in a moment, you are invited to discern how, uh, if God is, is calling you to live into uh, that particular act of obedience. As well, you all have the communication cards, and, and one of the most central ways we live into uh, becoming children again is in prayer. That is fundamentally an act of, of humility. And so if there's a prayer on your heart, there's something you want the care team to lift up this week for yourself, for the church, for the world, for family, for someone, put it there. If there's a reason for thanks and praise, share that too, and we'll join you in, in giving God thanks. You're invited to give now as you're led.
for your abundant goodness and steadfast love, your grace which saves us and sustains us and holds us. We give you thanks for moments when we've known that especially. In a moment of worship or through another servant of yours, we give thanks. These are tithes or offerings. These are expressions of our gratitude. These are our enacting of the will of God because your grace showers us and fills us. Use these, our gifts, that your grace may abound more and more in our lives, in this city and unto the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This is a table, not for people who have a sense that they've got it all together, but for people actually who very much know their need, very much know a childlike dependency for a love to fill them that is not their own. Thanks be to God when we come to this table, uh, grace meets us and feeds us. We are not drawn here and, and considered sort of guests who maybe if we get it together we can eventually get all the way in as family. No. Jesus invites us as sisters and brothers, my beloved family, this very day, and showers us and nourishes us with his grace in and through this meal. Let us prepare our hearts to receive this good news. Let us pray. Gracious God, we give you thanks this day for the invitation to this your table. We give you thanks that the table has been spread before us and that through it we experience your grace and mercy and peace. So gracious God, take these gifts, the bread and the cup, remove them from a common use to a sacred one so that we might experience your presence with us as we commune with one another and with you. Help us, O oh God, to be able to receive these gifts that are given freely by you so that our lives may be restored, may be healed, may become whole in order to serve you more faithfully. Gracious God, Send your spirit upon us so that at this meal we can experience your grace anew, afresh, and maybe even for the first time. Through the name of Christ we pray. Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after the meal that evening, he took the cup and said, This cup is a new covenant of my blood poured out for the remission of your sins. Drink ye all of it. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim my death until I come again. My friends, these are the gifts of God for the people of God. Come and participate.
body of Christ broken for each of you. Take and eat. Most gracious and loving God, thank you for giving us yourself, for nourishing us in this meal. It is a grace unto us. God, we ask that the gracious provision be made known afresh this day, not only among us, but throughout all of your creation. We pray that as Dorian continues to move, you would be in the midst of the storm, protecting life and hedging disaster. We pray you'd fill your church with a fresh expression of grace that we throughout this country might respond with a running love to any need or grief that may result. 
We pray for the people of Odessa, Texas, who very much grieve and ache right now. We do not know the profound hurt some know this morning, but we know, do know the profound sense of helplessness amid act after act of death-inflicting violence. Be a present comfort to all who hurt this morning in Odessa. And we pray that you'd pour out a fresh expression of grace upon your church that we might respond boldly to do your will as peacemakers. On this Labor Day weekend, we give thanks for the gift of work for those who work with us, alongside us, for us, and those we work for. We give thanks for hands and hearts and minds and feet that enable work. We pray for those who cannot work right now or who seek work or who are being broken by their work or who are working long hours even this weekend. May each know your grace leading them and opening a new space of love and life and vitality. We pray for those who have recently gone back to school or are just about to go back to school this week. Students, teachers, administrators, coaches, tutors. We give thanks for the gift of learning and community. For people who care, for opportunities to share wisdom and knowledge. And we pray for all who return to school this season that they would know a fresh outpouring of your grace. One that would fill them with renewed energy and focus and open them to new friendships and possibility. And for us, your church, those gathered in the sanctuary this morning and those who cannot be present this morning, we pray you'd help us discern how and where you are calling us to become children who walk humbly with you and alongside one another. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
For the past hour, you have been listening to the worship service of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. Please join us again next Sunday through our radio ministry or in our sanctuary at 1627 Monument Avenue. Your announcers today have been Steve Kemp and Jim McCullough, and the engineer was Steve Kemp. The service streams live and can be accessed through the Grace Covenant Worldwide website, which is grace-covenant.org. We now return you to Christian Talk Radio on WLES, 590 AM and 97.7 FM. Two quick reminders, as always, just out and down the hallway into the social room. There's food and drinks, and I very much look forward to catching up with uh, a number of you. First time since, since May, so looking forward to, to seeing you there. Next Sunday, we have our Discipleship Sunday, 9.30 to 10.30 in the Fellowship Hall. Potluck breakfast, bring something to share for everyone. Uh, we'll kind of kick off our, our fall season there, and then back to our 10.55 a.m. service of worship. So look forward to seeing you all there. Unless you become like one of these children, you, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Which is to say, unless you, you humble yourself like one of these children, you cannot know grace. The kingdom of God, the air, the water is grace. Might we be open to the Spirit's leading humbleness this coming week that we might receive a fresh outpouring of grace and and I had um, Helen Lanier um, Ramirez she she said you know I wonder if you did that prodigal son story where the, everyone stands in a line and hugs each other you know fathers run to the son they hug what if you did that with adults don't worry we're not lining up on either side of the sanctuary but it got me to thinking thank you Helen Lanier uh, what if we did end the service practicing grace Practicing receiving and giving grace, which is to say, before you leave the sanctuary or the narthex, I just invite you to hug somebody. Hug your spouse, hug your friend next to you, hug your congregant you've known forever, hug the stranger you don't know.
practice giving and receiving grace. Surely the embrace is one of the most sacred spaces in which we know that gift. I'll start. Carson doesn't know this. (laughs) Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit embrace you and keep you and empower you this day and always. Amen. Now go and hug.